Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along. Check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who still has Brian Bless's voice ringing in his ears. It's Richard Herring. Wow, you're much better than last week's audience. They were useless. They were useless. <laughs> they got a standing ovation for the guests. The first time that's ever happened last week. What an amazing audience they were last week to give that. <laughs> Bless it. Imagine having to, imagine if we did two in a week and you had to follow that one. Imagine. So welcome. Welcome to uh, we're going to have a great time. You're a lovely audience. Uh, we, I was t- <laughs> this is Rich James. That's the podcast. I was uh, talking to Brian Blessed uh, the other week. He goes, Everyone, hold the bar! Fucking hell. Uh, so, um... But I don't want to get into being one of these acts who just talks about his kids, but my daughter is funny as fuck. And uh, so... Uh, uh, my daughter was quite obsessed with Frozen, as all kids are. But then last week, she came back from nursery school, and she, we've never watched this program, but she was just suddenly obsessed with Spider-Man, right? Just obsessed with Spider-Man. And she, we, she was going to go to World Book Day. Uh, we got a rabbit costume for her, so she could be a bunny. There's loads of books with bunnies in them. And she said, I want to be Spider-Man. On the morning, she was going to... I'm a Spider-Man, I'm Sp- I want to be Spider-Man. And my wife managed to track down a Spider-Man costume in our tiny village. Uh, my daughter's been dressed as Spider-Man, but she's still obsessed with Elsa, 
from, uh, from Frozen. So she's going, I'm Spider-Man and Elsa. That's what she's saying. I'm Spider-Man and Elsa. Uh, and uh, she's singing Frozen in the, in the car. And if I try and sing with her, she goes, I'm Elsa and Spider-Man. <laughs> so I'm not allowed to do anything. Even though... Because when they're singing the, the Frozen song, I like to sing, Nicole never bothered me anyway. And I think that's a good... I think that's a good... But I'm not even allowed to do that. She doesn't even let me do dad jokes. So, uh, it's, but it's interesting. I say, what do you think... What does Spider-Man do? And she doesn't know. Because it's like an older kid has come into nursery and loves Spider-Man. And so she goes, what does Spider-Man do? She goes, power. <laughs> Which is what Elsa does as well. So she knows that. Power. There's one's ice and one's... One's webs. <laughs> it's interesting, but as a child, that's all you have is the w- desire for power. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we uh, welcome to the show. We have a fantastic guest uh, this week. Uh, she is probably best known for her appearance on Finders Keepers. That is not the Richard Stilgo version that I remember. Finders Keepers, not Sleepers. Um, no, that's, that's, my, that's my one person in the audience who remembers Finders Keepers. <laughs> She's from Finders Keepers with Neil Buchanan of Art Attack. Do you remember that? Yeah, I don't... I, well, I was a grown-up when that was on, so it'd be weird if I did remember it. Uh, but that is all we're going to talk to her about. Will you please welcome Pippa Evans! Thank you. Bella, thank you so much for coming on. You oh. are welcome. Oh, my goodness. I'm exhausted. <laughs> We had, oh. The last week's podcast continued in the dressing room. Oh, it did, yeah. For quite some time. I, I got my own four anecdotes. <laughs> I got my own four anecdotes, post-personal anecdotes, yeah. a- anecdoted at yeah. me. That was beautiful. It what was a moment. Pr- it was pretty amazing. A moment to tell my children about. Yeah. Brian and me. Yeah, well, you know, usually I ask people if they have any experience with Brian Blessed, but I've just been through it with you, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to... <laughs> I would like, I would like, um, in many ways I feel like we could spend the next 20 minutes doing sort of a counselling session for you, <laughs> where we go through the various body uh, shapes that you took on whilst Brian was doing anecdotes. Uh, so maybe I'll do the body shapes that you were doing, you can yeah. tell me what you were thinking. Um, <laughs> I was thinking. <laughs> I was wondering if I could get away with actually having a little nap because yeah. you know, I'm, I'm pretty tired. <laughs> you really, I think you could have actually. I think Brian held it very well uh, without you. Uh, but but that's great. I, I uh, yeah. I'm actually quite looking forward to listening to it. Yes. Because it will be like uh, someone will probably go on that and think, I thought I'd downloaded Richard Herring's podcast. <laughs> but it seems to be monologues of Brian Blessed. <laughs> wow. Well, great. Well, it was, uh, it was pretty much what I expected. Oh, yeah. I have to say, so, yeah. And unlike uh, his publicist said, uh, you got more questions than anyone else has ever done. <laughs> I mean, he didn't necessarily try to answer them, but at least they. <laughs> at least, uh, there's so many things. There's so many things I didn't talk to him about. Should I just quickly tell you about that? You we'll, could then just we'll get, ask we'll get me, on to you. Well, and like, then we could figure he, out. About um, it. He was in a plane crash was in uh, Venezuela. Did he? Ha- did uh, he make it happen? <laughs> don't know. Was he talking well, to the pilot? <laughs> he, someone emailed me. Someone tweeted me to say that he uh, told him in an interview. Uh, Brian had told him that he'd commanded an avalanche, an avalanche to stop, and it, and it, and it had stopped. Which you think would be the reverse with that voice? Is, you think it would increase it? When he was in Everest and nearly died in, in 1990, 
This is why I thought we had, this is a good question. The ghost of his granddad came and told him that he would be fine just to go down and he would come back in 2001 and have another go. That's what the ghost of his granddad <laughs> told When he was a child, he could see the future. <laughs> this is just some of the things we didn't... When he went to Bristol over it with Patrick Stewart, they couldn't afford to go from uh, Yorkshire to Bristol, so they travelled down on the back of an open coal truck that was going down and arrived in Bristol covered in bird shit and coal. That's, uh, which I think might be quite, might be quite a good urban myth thing for that, that Sky TV series. They do urban myths. Um, uh, you know, this, he punched uh, Peter Capaldi, nearly killed him <laughs> by accident. <laughs> He played Jean Valjean. I didn't get on to talking about that. That would have been good. Uh, so anyway, I made four pages of fucking notes for that cunt. So let's say, anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. Didn't he also ask the Dalai Lama uh, how he managed to not have erections anymore? He did, yes. Uh, and he said, I take very cold showers. <laughs> yeah. And he, had, he sparred with the Dalai Lama and let the Dalai Lama beat him. What? Okay, I think you mean that he let the Dalai Lama win rather than... Oh, yeah, yeah. They were sparring as boxers. He was a a champion boxer, and I think the Dalai Lama had boxed as a kid as well. Oh, okay. And so they had a sparring match as adults, I think. I didn't quite grasp the, the... the truth of that one you know it's very confusing I mean when I say truth in the loosest <laughs> possible I uh, know I'm not going to forget that one um, no. some of them I forget no some yeah well some, some let's see I, how the next 40 minutes go eh? let's give, give me a ring in two years and say and see if I remember you being on the podcast <laughs> I will, I'm sure. Uh, so, find his keepers. You, as a as a kid, you were on a few TV shows. Yeah, there's, there's re- yeah. What a great thing to start with. Uh, yeah, when I so when I was a kid, I really loved children's television. Yeah, because uh, I was a kid, and yeah. that's what you watch. And uh, me and my brother wrote to ITV or whatever it was then. I don't know. It was Granada, maybe. And uh, asked to be on Finders Keepers, which was just a kid show where you got to search through a house and find uh, stuff. Yeah. answer clues and you'd find stuff so I thought, yeah I was on that I was on Saturday Disney I was okay. on Newsround a couple of times on Newsround yeah just yawning they came to film our assemblies a few okay. times at school <laughs> uh, yeah so I just as a kid I just like started the bug of wanting to be a performer yeah. a bit what's Neil Buchanan like in real life he's got terrible breath okay yes <laughs> that's, that's all I remember of Neil Buchanan uh, yeah it, it was not it's not wasn't a great uh, what the weirdest thing was uh, some, a comedian texted me because he said just text me saying were you on Finders Keepers and it was being repeated on Challenge TV <laughs> and, and we had these helmets that we had our names on so my helmet had Pippa so that he just t- took a screen grab of the picture and just said is this you that's really creepy uh, uh, and so uh, if you go on my website you can see uh, I put it up and with a picture of me making the same face you can kind of tell it is me yeah, yeah. but it was a bit of a, a bit of a uh, yeah go back to the future well it's sort of, of weird how, you know I, I, I find I mean I can't talk about being old now because Brian Blessed has, has uh, talked about being young and you know uh, at 81 I mean that's incredible he's 81 right so it is uh, but I was watching someone tweeted the hand jive from Blockbusters remember on Friday Friday afternoons on Blockbusters the hand jive they, the audience just did these things with... <laughs> they did all this they they cut to the audience on Fridays and the audience of, of like teenagers did this quite sad little <laughs> hand jive thing I don't but, remember that oh but then you watch it now and you go all oh, those people are 50 <laughs> and it's just terrifying so uh, it's uh, terrifying the way time passes by that's what I'm saying um, was the audience of blockbusters teenagers yeah 
In the, why? Because it was for, it was teenagers in the show. Was it for kids? Yeah, I always thought it was a grown-ups programme. I'm thinking, no. I don't was, remember grown-ups. It was students. It was oh, were they students? Yeah, yeah. So, well, they would usually, like, look, quite a lot of people, there was someone with Daniel Kitson on the other day. Really? That someone was tweeting, yeah, Daniel Kitson, I think, I only saw the first bit, but he wasn't doing very well. Stephen <laughs> uh, Merchant was on it. Ben Moore was on it, who's my friend who got five gold runs, wow. got to go to LA and met Mr. T. What? <laughs> That was his. That was his prize. That's your prize winning blockbuster. Yeah, it was proper. If you did five gold runs, the fifth gold run was a pretty, pretty good prize. Wasn't there a rumor that that Bob Holness just did the saxophone yeah, on, on uh, Baker, Street. Baker Street? Yeah, yeah, but wasn't true. It wasn't was true. It? He what, He did play James Bond, I think, on the radio. He was the, was he the first person to play James. Then uh, the Wikipedia nerds are back in force. I tell you, there was a there was a couple of series where I lost the nerds and it became quite cool. This show, but now it's back to the okay, fucking dweeb. Yeah, fucking Bob. When's he going to mention uh, James Bond? And if he doesn't, if he doesn't mention, I'm going to have to shout out. That's the only reason I did it. Uh, <laughs> they're they're a lovely crowd. They are very nice. Um, I mean, there's so much to talk to you about. I mean, you've just been in. Have you just been in Norway like yesterday? Yes, that's right. Spent a weekend in Norway because uh, <laughs> I saw a picture of you on a plane. I thought. Fuck. I go into Norway. I thought she'd forgotten about the podcast. Uh, no, no, we spent a week. So I'm in an improv group called the Glenda J Collective. Yes. And that's me, Ruth Brack, Carrie Adloyd, and Josie Lawrence, who some of you will know from Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yes, she was my god, and now I work with her. It's a so pretty that's... astonishing lineup through Sorry. all four of you there. That's... A super fun, great show, guys. Yeah. Come see our Soho Theatre run. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but we, yes, yeah, so we went to Det under which is the, the Norwegian Improv Theatre. Okay. Uh, and we had this amazing time just uh, just being in Norway where everyone is just so nice. <laughs> and you eat breakfast and breakfast is basically everything's pickled. So they should be incredibly sour people. But they are lovely. Uh, so we just had a wonderful weekend in the snow. Yeah. Making up shows. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's very expensive. The alcohol's very expensive in Norway. Did well, you get... is it? I mean, it's, it's, yes. it's like we live in London. London yeah, but... Alcohol is expensive in London well, it's like £25 for a bottle of wine in a bar yeah that's not that weird is it no. is, that, well, is that a lot of money yeah quite well, how much would you spend on a bottle of wine Richard uh, 5.99 down Tesco yeah yeah <laughs> I drink I get it from Tesco and then I'd go home and drink it on my own in A you get twice as much wine and B it's really cheap <laughs> Well, well, that's the way you go, Richard. Yeah. Uh, the Norwegians, they like to share. The means are generally not alcoholics as well, in the, yeah, same, well, the way we'll that, we, that like, we are. Uh, yeah. Um, so what does the Glenda J Collective, what's the, is there a spin on that, or is it just you're doing improv games, or is it... So games. Sorry, I'm so very serious theatrical. Very serious theatrical things. And we, uh, we do scenes, and then we sing uh, improvised songs, and yeah. we just have a great time together. We spent, uh, for example, the show on... Um, the show on Saturday, uh, we did a whole scene where we played different parts of a sandwich. Uh, uh, we played... Uh, at the beginning, we get four words, so four objects. I think it was vacuum cleaner, uh, ball, uh, very long pole, okay. and... Uh, These are all just parts of a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we, the scenes were all inspired by those things. Yeah. Uh, and then we, uh, we did a... Um, a heavy metal song called The Black Unicorn. Uh, so, yeah, so it's just making up stuff. Because improv has become very cool again. Yes, it has. And, and I it, started well, it when it wasn't cool. Yeah, well, uh, I remember in the 90s it wasn't cool. And they, I, I, I used to take the piss out. I wrote a play where I did a scene where everyone went to improv and I had a terrible time <laughs> and took the piss out of it. And there was a lot of kind of bad... It's mainly student improv, I would say, in the 90s. Oh, yeah. And then now it's become 
through people. I mean, uh, there, uh, to be fair, Josie Lawrence was doing pretty well through the 90s uh, with, with those guys. But you, the, the stuff you would see at clubs and in, in Edinburgh was like a lot of students doing it. And now it's these very involved these showstoppers and, and yes. ostentatious as well, which Carrie adds in. Yes. These are very involved ideas where you're taking quite sophisticated you, in, so, so in Showstoppers you improvise so Showstopper, we improvise a full musical so it's a Showstopper the improvised musical and our aim is to improvise a show that is as good as a West End musical right. so it's quite a high bar we've set ourselves <laughs> uh, and we actually were the first improvised show ever to win an Olivier award so that is pretty sexy stuff <laughs> uh, uh, so, so people come and see us thank you one person clapping uh, probably my husband uh, but the yes yeah, so it's so our aim is actually to make improvisation an art form rather than what it is known for, which is being shit. Well, it's sort of an unfair. It's an unfair. But like, but it's also improv. People are kings now. So like, all the uh, I mean, the ostentatious people have taken over the Mass Report, basically. Oh yeah, the Mass yeah. Report's doing fantastically yes, well. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and so there's that. It is like an incredible grounding in becoming, you know, fantastic at. Well, it's stuff like Murder and Successful and stuff. There's all these improvised shows on TV as well, aren't there? The, well, not all as Murder and Successful. Well, Name the next one. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's just one. Okay. But, uh, but, but it is becoming cooler and yeah. people are less, uh, less kind of uh, having, rude about it Having now. that skill, because you play character, you do character stuff as well. Yeah, I do character stuff yeah. and talking. I yeah. do a lot of stuff on Radio 4. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I play a lot of characters and do people's things, which just basically means I like putting voices on because I feel more comfortable <laughs> that way. But it's, it's, I think, like, talking to you and Danielle Ward, who are probably around about the same age. I don't know. And, uh, I'll have to do you know Danielle him. Ward? You didn't know you were the same age? No, I don't know if we are. We could no, be. We could be. Uh, it's yeah, not the first so thing we ask when, when both, you meet someone. You're both women younger than me. But, uh, <laughs> but you're both, you know, but you've, you've had quite long careers, both of you already. And I, just, I kind of, it's sort of interesting, this incredibly talented group of people coming through. Um, but it seems very difficult to kind of make that leap onto the, the leap. Thing. You yeah. mean the leap to the? Uh, yeah. Well, what is that leap anyway? I've become very philosophical about Have this you? whole thing. Well, because you spend your first five years in comedy going, "Why doesn't anyone love me?" <laughs> and you go, "Oh, it's because you were shit." You know, because <laughs> you are when you start. You're shit, and there's like very few people who start who were brilliant, uh, and then. And then you, so you have to learn. So you go, oh, actually, there's a reason. And then it's sort of like we all fight to get on Mock the Week or Eight Out of Ten Cats. And actually, very few people are suited to that show. Sure. So actually, you need to do things that inspire you. So rather than fighting to get recognized by the number of Twitter followers you have, or whatever, it's better to just do something that makes you feel happy. Uh, 220,000. Uh, say again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> feel pretty good about it. So, yeah. Uh... <laughs> Well, that's how you measure your life, Harry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I don't, I don't uh, feel you could. You, there's two ways of looking at it: you get bitter, or you just enjoy the life you have. Well, no, I think yeah, and I think that's the way through. We're talking to, talking to Catherine Ryan as well uh, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and she's very got a very. I mean, she's made that leap, but she's still very philosophical about it all. You know, I think she, she sort of. It's it's good to see that kind of wisdom. It's taken me like till I'm like forty five, fifty to feel that calm about it. I think. Yeah. Well, so you know, we've all watched you struggle. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> 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 
I knew Lee before I knew Harry. You know? uh, but, uh, so it is, it is tricky, isn't it? it is. And, and it's so hard, what a hard... You know, comedy is the worst in terms of learning on the way. That's yeah. horrible. It's like someone giving you a violin and saying, you're going to learn this, but in front of everybody. Yeah. So you're basically going around going, ee, 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 you're fucking awful. Please stop. You're going, no, I really think I've got something. Yeah? You have to keep playing that violin until somebody goes... And you might be so playing something beautiful where you have to wait till the right person finds you. And it's so true. Like It's only when uh, all the people who, who've uh, made it... I, I did pretend inverted commas for the people listening at home, but the, but the people who've made it, it's because somebody when I, I believe in you and, uh, and I'm sort of very grateful for the people that have said that to me and they still big me up and push me to do things you know so I'm doing a Radio 4 show this year that, that's very exciting and that's through Alison Vernon Smith who first started working with me maybe 10 years ago or yeah. 8 years ago and so, her just going I believe in you so I'm going to just keep pushing you and things just take time and I think when you're young very, you're very impatient aren't you yeah but I also think it's you know I suppose what I was getting at as well trying to get towards was that by having all that time to well, exactly what you say you work for all that time and it's not banging the spotlight straight away so you get good at what you're doing I think yeah. to be able to do improv well and you know it's an amazing skill and I watch all you guys doing it and, I, and it's one of the it's the one part of comedy that I can't wrap my head around how how you manage to do it right so yeah. if I go and see a stand-up comedian I can usually know I can I work out how they do it yeah. Even if I couldn't do it, I could still work out what they're doing. But with our improv, it seems the, the really f- f- first class, high concept stuff is just, it's, it's almost magical, I think. Yeah, and it's really hard work. And yeah. Yeah, people always go, oh, how's Showstopper so good? Because we work on it every week. Why, why do you rehearse improvisation? <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it's a skill. It's like football, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go, oh, you're quite good at football. Next week you're going to play uh, in the FA Cup yeah. final. It's like you train, you train, you train. That's all it is, it's just training skills. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously you have to be good at it. And I think it's really, I think everybody should have a go at improvisation, but I will say I don't think everyone should perform improvisation <laughs> in front of a paying audience. And that is the hardest thing, is that there's some improvisation is so great, but some of it's awful. Uh, and those, those shows, you know, they're the ones that people tend to see because they might only be two pounds, three pounds to get in. And people go, isn't the same with the, you know, we have this argument all the time in stand-up comedy land, which is are free shows a good idea? Or is it, you know, when you get go to a comedy night, you go, wow, it's really busy here tonight. And they go, yeah, we put it on Woucher. You go, <laughs> So everyone's paid like one pound to yeah. get in. And you just go, this is not going to be fun. As everyone's going, chug, chug, <laughs> chug, chug, chug. Well, that... So we're, well, this, these are all interesting. I think your last show was Joy Provision, which my, Joy Provision, which my uh, which my wife saw oh. and liked very much. Well, that's very nice. I didn't go and see anything in Edinburgh. Why? Because right? I just can't be bothered anymore. Oh, oh, listen, if I'm up now, if I wasn't doing a show myself, myself, I was sort of doing one and a half shows myself, and I just get too tired to enjoy very much other, other people's stuff. So I just go home and and play Civilization. <laughs> I was writing, also, I was writing emergency, my emergency questions book uh, for, uh, for much of uh, Last Edinburgh. But, uh, but yeah, but it sounds like a really interesting concept because it's, but I think also, like, it's a sort of about trying to do comedy that's joyful and, and, and find funny. Is this right? It's, it's sort of about, you know, comedy being funny rather than... Comedy funny than rather no, than but what? Like, I, don't think, I just think there's a lot. There's a lot again, like with comedy, that becomes successful a little bit. Sometimes it's sort of like more. Oh, this is 
great because it's very serious and political. This is great because it's, you know, it's they're it, stretching the art form, but it feels like you were just trying to do a show that would make people happy. Is that? Yeah. So obviously, the great Ken Dodd died today. Yes. That sad, sad face. Uh, really, you know, what a. Well, and his whole motto was, you know, I just want to make the room happy. That's, yeah. And that's my job is to make people happy. Uh, so there is something about that. But we're also in a complicated time where it's really hard. To, it feels kind of frivolous maybe to just be happy for a whole hour. Uh, so, uh, so we're also like, how can we be happy? Because we're all sort of struggling with... Uh, now we have news all the time. Yeah. The news is essentially everyone is dying. Uh, everyone is drowning in the sea. Uh, no one is having a good time. The seahorses are full of cling film. Like, everyone is miserable so how can we is it okay for us to be happy or how do we be happy when we're essentially a very privileged country are we allowed or should we be flogging ourselves all the time you know sure. slapping ourselves with whips uh, not in a sexy way uh, <laughs> and so so that was really the question of that show yeah. uh, and uh, we didn't really come up with an answer we just had a nice time for an hour <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's you know I, th- I think it's interesting because in a way as much as I love going to see political shows and shows that are topical and and I know there was some topicality in this show, but it's it's you, know, you kind of want to escape the world when you come to comedy sometimes, right? Yeah, you absolutely. Sort of want to. Well, because I love singing as well, so yeah. all of my shows always have tons of singing in it, uh, and so they're ne- it's never going to be real. Uh, you know, it's not. I'm just not very good at topical stuff. I, I I want to be interested in it, but I'm not great at it. And I sing songs on the Now Show, which is a topical comedy show. <laughs> uh, so I I do have to be interested in it sometimes uh, but I find it really hard to, to make fun of a lot of stuff that's happening in the world so it's sort of like well let's why, do, why don't we just shut ourselves off from the world for an hour have a great time yeah. so that we feel revived to go back out in the world yeah and I sort of think I think just the older I get the more I feel this though that it's you know I've done shows that deliberately annoy people <laughs> and make them sort of have a bad time mm. <laughs> Uh, and which is fine when you're like 32 or something and you don't know anything about you know now I sort of feel like when I'm doing a show now I'm a parent mm. I think um, Christ you know th- I get to go out once a month if I'm lucky I don't want to go out and see some cunt annoying me on purpose yeah. <laughs> I, want, I want to go out and see somebody who's going to make me feel happy <laughs> and forget about my stupid fucking children <laughs> <laughs> who think Spider-Man and Elsa are, the, are somehow compatible sure <laughs> She's complaining that her towel didn't only had Elsa and Anna on it and no Spider-Man on it. We have to make her a fucking Spider-Man Elsa towel now. Um, oh, well, but that, I think there is a responsibility there, there isn't there? Yeah. When you go, so as a performer, your responsibility is to entertain people. Yes. Uh, so uh, people have paid. So especially if people have kids, they're like, I've paid for a babysitter. Yes, exactly. I have paid for dinner. Uh, I've paid for a cab so that I can fucking have a drink. Uh, and, and so I'm going to get to this show and I, you better fucking entertain me because this has been a big ordeal. So someone's come in with like £175 worth of debt <laughs> to your crappy little Edinburgh show and you're like, I'd like to talk about North Korea. <laughs> no! So you see, yeah, your responsibility is to recharge those people and look after them, let them have a good time rather yeah. than um, leave well, I think heavy. That's for, you know, it's for, I think you can do other stuff around it, but the first thing is it's got to be... Entertaining. Entertaining yeah. and, you know... Not all funny all the way through, no, as, this, no. as my podcasts have, have shown you over the years. <laughs> but not bad, given we're just making shit up as we go along. Uh, so uh, you have a different relationship here, though, because their relationship is they've come to listen to you just talk to someone, which I find amazing. That you've met, that's a great, what an amazing thing to to have done. That's yes, what, I, you nice. will you pay 
pay money to watch me talk to someone. Some of them you will have heard of. Some will be complete strangers. <laughs> yes. Yes, I would like to part with money to watch you talk to someone. It's impressive, isn't it? It is. Well, I'm, well I, was, I mentioned this on the Reginald D. Hunter one, but like when I first started doing stand-up, I really wanted to be able to just come... I saw him do a show where he just... A, a, a stand-up a headline set where he just seemed to talk and make it up as he went along. I just thought that would be... I was so scripted mm. uh, when, I start, when I started back again. I just thought, wouldn't it be amazing just to do a whole show that's, you know, you could do that, you could just tell stories, which sort of is what, I mean, this with some help, this is, and with Brian Blessed, quite a lot of help. Uh, this is, <laughs> this is, you know, what this has become. So that's interesting. There's an improv aspect to this as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, but it's, you, you're, you're bouncing off people. And I think what's interesting, what I was talking to you about backstage is it, this show very much wraps around the personality of whoever is in that seat, really. Yeah. So, if you you know, it, it, there's been a few people who want to do a monologue, and there's been some people who want to have a dialogue, and there's some people who want me to have a monologue. Uh, so it's you know, so you've got to be able to cope with all those different things. So yeah. it's, it's, that's I suppose that's the if there's you know any skill to it, it is just being able to adapt to different people. But I like comedy, you know, so I only have people on this that I like. Thank you. So it, yeah, well, it you know, it's a massive compliment. <laughs> uh, no, I did, but I and I also have people. You know, I, don't, I think I've been really impressed by how few pricks of you know people have been. You know, have how few, especially the really successful people. And you hear stories about certain comedians, some who haven't been on, uh, and uh, and you kind of think, oh well, will this person be a prick in real life? And nearly everyone's really nice. But is this really real life? But backstage as well. You oh, know, I see. Not, you know, I mean, it's... Yeah, but you get... I think... Well, you think I, they might be a prick to you back then? No, knowing that you're the king of this room. <laughs> I think, be I think also, in an hour of talking, it's very hard to not allow your prickdom to come through. Oh. <laughs> we're, on, we're only... I didn't even notice what time we started. Uh, so... Um, uh, I, yes. once, I just want to. I yes. once had to. I've, I have a long history of being the person people call when a famous person drops out of a show uh, <laughs> and they go, just get Pippa Evans, she'll do it. I once had to go on for Reginald D. Hunter. Oh, did you? Yeah. We have a very different audience. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. There's some comedy and some funny songs. They were not impressed. <laughs> Sad days. Um, and I also quite, I think this is similar to me that you've, you, you talk about uh, your childhood and being quite. Ordinary and dullish, what? happy childhood. Uh, well, yeah, in like because, yeah, that I, well, yeah, my my parents love each other. Yeah. They're still very happy. I spent the afternoon with my mother. Yeah. Uh, they were actually around the corner having a drink at the Cork and Bottle. Oh, lovely. Um, so, uh, so that's very nice. So, yeah, so I grew up uh, with three brothers. We get on very well. Where did you grow up? Because I haven't managed to find that piece of information. In out. Ealing Broadway. Did you? I know Ealing. Yeah, Ealing Broadway. So when the tube says this train terminates at Ealing Broadway, yeah. I go ah. Oh, home <laughs> but yeah so I, I grew up very happily I was very religious as a child as well so I had not only the love of my family but the love of Jesus Christ our Lord okay. <laughs> so I felt very uh, very um, fulfilled until I sort of hit 17 and then went a bit mad you know in what way well, what, you rebelling? go. Yeah, no, 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 not rebellious. No, I've never been rebellious. <laughs> I'm a very nice person, and worry far too much about other people's feelings. Uh, but I, uh, I stopped loving Jesus, and then that sort of, I think, sp- uh, spiraled me into a pit of despair. Of like, well, if that's not real, what is real? And just went into a teenage girl. Let's go out with awful boys who are, and they move, maybe they'll feel the whole left by Jesus Christ, our Lord. <laughs> yeah, that's easy. Uh, so yeah, so I, I'm sort of. Su- 
suffered suffered a lot in a in a t- teenage typical teenage Hollyoaks style way. Yeah. You know, I dyed my hair purple and I cried a lot and I would uh, scream. So I used to do this character called Loretta Main, who's yes. an American yeah. American singer songwriter. One cheer, one see. But why did she stop doing it? <laughs> <laughs> Ask that one guy. Uh, and uh, and she was entirely based on me as a seventeen right. to nineteen year old because I would just cry and I I did a, my teenage diary for Radio Four and I. Oh, yes. And uh, I found a poem that I wrote, and it's all just like Loretta. You know, it's just, uh, why doesn't he love me? My heart is black. My eyeliner is black. Tears flow, broken, alone, alone, alone. <laughs> but why did he break up with you? I just <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I was a sort of tortured late teenager yeah. and a very holy early teenager. That's quite interesting to me to leave it that late, I think, to lose your religion maybe you know i think like because i was brought up in a my mum and dad are religious and i but i was sort of like and i was really into it when i was really little and then was about 10 i went oh yeah so i had uh, richard curtis church i call it uh, until i was about 11 so that's the kind of classic four weddings and a funeral everyone's very nice very nice vicar all those sort of and the church choir and it's very much about the community rather than about uh about necessarily god although i'm sure some of them would kill me for saying that but (laughs) but it's more about that they are an amazing community and i they're still my parents friends and everything but then i went to baptist church and if you've never been to baptist church you've got to go guys it is incredible it's like guitars and drums everyone puts their hands in the air people are talking in tongues it's like what is this and there's real joy in the room and excitement and, and when you're sort of 11 that's yeah. a great time to discover that isn't it yeah, my yeah. mum used to call it my chrysalis she thought it was where I went because it was scary becoming a woman so during the period of 11 to 17 <laughs> I hid in the church while my tits grew <laughs> but that's quite showbiz as well so there's you know that, there was obviously this showbiz element in you that wanted to go and see ITV <laughs> And yes. beat Neil Buchanan. That's quite so. That's in a way you were. And what's interesting, right, about this, which because I didn't know there was a religious upbringing to it, but you you do these, you, you do an atheist Sunday. It's uh, not atheist, Richard. Sorry, you do a non-religious. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Sunday assembly. Yes. Uh, which is so. It's it's the idea of being able to get to which you know is a brilliant idea. It's a lovely idea, and that's when when I was very lonely in the nineteen nineties and early two thousands. You kind of thought, where's why why isn't there somewhere? For me you, to go. Well, just you can go and meet some people, you know, or just use your time effectively and do something nice for other people. It was so difficult to to find that. So certainly before the internet and, you know. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. definitely a pre-internet yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Sunday, yeah, Sunday Assembly is like church for people who don't believe in God. So the concept being very much based in the idea of, uh, well... Churches do great stuff, like community stuff. A lot of people, if they move away, then they move to like a tiny village. The only place to meet someone is to go to church. So you get a lot of people going to church who don't believe in God, yeah. but go, I need something to belong to, or I need to get my child into primary school. Uh, one of those <laughs> two things. Uh, and uh, so where is the space for people who don't believe in God? Uh, and it's not against church at all, because I really think, I think actually um, organized religions do do some good stuff. We can discuss that if you wish. Uh, but, uh, but, and I think that sense of community is very much being lost and your interview with Johan Hari was quite interesting because mm-hmm. you know some of his book is about that as well yeah. uh, and and there is a truth that we've lost that idea of or not the idea of community there's a lot of people longing particularly in big cities for community so we started this in 2013 there's now 55 around the world okay. and the one in London is twice a month and there's 400 people coming every time so so there is something there you know yeah. so uh, it's only in its infancy it's five years but I'm hoping that in like 200 years there'll be a myth 
about me and Sanderson Jones, who I started with, and be like, they, they, cause we met, we met in a car going to a gig in Bath, and talked about, wouldn't it be great if there was a place that was sort of like church but without God? And we just decided to do it. Yeah. But I'm hoping in 250 years it would be they rolled the black unicorn down to Bath. Her hair was flowing, and then they flew into the sky and they dropped the book of the Sunday assembly, and it was born. <laughs> so you do like you have choirs and stuff, do you? And is it, is it got all, so, is so it all the of, aspects? Of... Yeah. So instead of hymns, we sing pop songs. Yeah. And instead of a sermon, we have someone do an interesting talk, like a TED talk kind of stuff. Yeah. And then we have someone from the community come and tell their own story. So if the TED talk was about, I don't know. Uh, we had one recently about um, body image. Uh, so someone did a talk about their own struggles with their body image, and then we talked, you know, talked as a as a, a room about like, what does it mean to love it? Do we really need to love our bodies? What, what's that all about? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have a moment of silence, so everyone sits quietly together because you don't get to do that mm-hmm. uh, very much, especially if Brian Blessed is in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and then does someone go? But what if Jesus is real and then it sort of changes? Oh, yeah, that would change it. <laughs> but I think the kind of people who come to Sunday Assembly would probably yeah. turn around and they wouldn't attack them. They'd say, hey, guys, it's just not really your space. Would you mind leaving? And they'd say, oh, sorry, and they'd leave. And so, yeah, did you have a schism with one of the, one of the assemblies over them being two atheists oh, yeah, in yeah. America? So we remember, yeah, we hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Had a schism with one in uh, in New York where they uh, wanted they wanted to do it in a bikini bar. Uh, so it was like at eleven o'clock in the morning. The one in London, and they, so lots of people got in touch when we did the first one. Like we want this where we are, uh, and uh, they so it was eleven o'clock in the morning in a hall. We encourage families to come, so it really is like a family thing. And they wanted to do it. At, they wanted to do it at night in a bikini bar, and they wanted to be drinking like beers at the front. And be like, this is the Sunday assembly, uh, and they wanted to talk exclusively about not believing in God. And actually most people who don't believe God are bored of talking about not believing God or haven't even really thought about it like most people don't actually think about God that much if they've made that decision there's people who've gone through a change that have left yeah. church and that's a big ordeal but there's a lot of people who just don't give they don't care they yeah. don't care uh, so uh, so we're trying to explain that going this isn't about 
fighting the church is about right well if we don't believe in that what do we believe in let's talk about that instead yeah. uh, and they they wouldn't have it uh, and so we had to uh, ask them to stop being a sunday assembly right. and that's when you realize what copyright law is for <laughs> yeah. uh, and we didn't have any so okay. uh, so it, if you go on facebook you could still probably find their facebook group even though that was four years ago because yeah. we have to it's like trying to get facebook to take anything down is impossible isn't it yeah, yeah so, that so was it's that. very like the christian faith oh yeah then. totally Splitting off into different ones. Yeah, 100%. And eventually, like, there'll be <laughs> loads of things like Sunday Assembly eventually. There'll be yeah. lots of different ones because people will go, well, I like the idea, but I don't want to sing Desiree at 11 o'clock in the morning. Are they, still, are they insisting on calling it the Sunday Assembly? Yeah. Why don't they just call it something else? Well, that's why like I wouldn't the Sunday load of cunts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Angry Sunday people. <laughs> Sunday people who really fucking hate Jesus, by the way, just in case you didn't get that from my face. Uh, we had a lot of people get really angry with it because it was they were like they were atheists and they felt like we were destroying atheism by having people gather so um, one time we were doing Sunday assembly and it was just, I was the only um, sort of leader person there Sanderson was away somewhere and this guy came in and he was like 100% cliche atheist man and he had a black headscarf on tied in a knot he was wearing all black and he, and he was Polish and he said excuse me you are from the Sunday assembly I want to record it uh, today I want to do an interview with you afterwards and I was like oh god he's gonna kill me <laughs> and so we did it and uh, we did this Sunday assembly and afterwards he said come come it's time for you to do an interview with me uh, and I said okay okay and I sat with him and he went I seen you no, I read about Sunday assembly I was so angry I was so angry when I read about it you are ruining atheism you're ruining everything about what we do as atheists and now I see that actually all you want is to bring people together <laughs> to recognize that there is humanity in all of us and that we are all the same so please can I ask you may I have a hug <laughs> That is the power of Sunday, isn't yeah. it? Uh, yeah, but, well, I've, I'm, I'm, I've done stuff with the humanists and I'm involved in the humanist society and when I've been to their, like, they do, like, weekends, then it is still very like church, though. And they are much more atheistic than this sounds. Mm. But they still have, like, a choir comes on and sings a little song. Yeah. And then someone does a sermon. So it's sort of a similar thing. I wonder whether there's a part of you, is it, it feels like, is there a part of you just craving that childhood... Oh yeah, like regression. Yeah, there's something about regression, but I don't know. It's comfortable because it's familiar, but it's you know. But then it's it's something. But then you could say that karaoke is the same, or any of those things that we do. Criticizing? No, 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 no. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure it is partly that, but it's also something very uh, soothing about singing together. Uh, And uh, you know, in the same way, like at the end of a wedding, when everyone's like just drunk and singing, "Hi Ho, Silver Lining." It's sort of that feeling. Yeah, but at eleven. Well, that's why. That's why my daughter, when we're singing, she's singing "Frozen" in the car, and I want to join in. I thought I'd get at least two or three years where we'd have a nice. I really remember driving places with my family and singing, you know, yeah. with my family. But my daughter's no, I'm Elsa. <laughs> Shut up, no. I used to do that with my brothers. Off, yeah. We used to have a Simpsons Sing the Blues cassette tape. I don't know if anyone had that album. Yeah. And, uh, and we used to fight over who got to sing Do the Bartman. Uh, so my mum would have to like do a rota, like who gets to sing Do the Bartman tonight. <laughs> like, do the Bartman, do the yeah. Bartman. Well, how's it going? But swing behind his hip, hit the side to side. No, you don't remember it that well. All right. Yeah, I can vaguely remember the... I, I, that, the Bartman was the first thing I saw of The Simpsons. 
Mm. Uh, I hadn't seen The Simpsons on Sky, I think, at the time, and it made me think, oh, that's a load of shit. Oh. Yeah, but I was, I'm older you than were you. Very, you were very angry, weren't you? I wasn't angry, but I just thought that. I just, it looked very commercial, and so I kind of rejected The Simpsons, and then only, you know, it would literally just come out, and then I, then I was very much in love with The Simpsons for the first 200 episodes. <laughs> when you sing right. Let It Go with your... Yeah, when she allows you. When she allows you. Do you sing? Are you able to hit the high notes? Um, I don't know if I've, I don't know if I. Yeah, I probably can. I sing. I sing, She lets me sing. I made up a song for her that she lets. She will now sing with me. Yeah. That she. I've been singing to her for a long time. How's it go? It goes. Who's a little monkey sitting in a tree? P H O E B E. Who's a little watermelon slip floating out to sea? P H O E B E. It's Phoebe. Phoebe. She's a little monkey sitting in a tree. Phoebe, Phoebe. Sometimes it's coconut. She's a little coconut floating out to sea. But now I've got a son, I've got to put him in as well. Oh. So he becomes the coconut, and it's E-R-N-E-S-T. And so she can nearly spell her name, because uh, <laughs> she can't do anything else. She's got the E-B-E bit right down now. Nice. I'll uh, record it, I'll put it, I'll put it out. Christmas number one. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've had, talk, talking about that, you nearly had a Christmas number one. Oh, with the... Christmas number six. With the... What was that with? The Merry Christmas? Yeah. How, was it... Was it... So I've got three Christmas... Oh, my there, goodness. But one of them was... Uh, uh, <laughs> was I can't remember how well, it went. you should know. I don't know I why know. I'm being quizzed about your life. Well, <laughs> it so was you in keep, the You keep asking me about things. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, I do do that, yeah. Uh, Matt, with Matt Roper, uh, was Happy Goddamn Christmas to You. That one, yes, was it that, that one? It, yeah. yeah, Happy Goddamn Christmas. It was a great Christmas song. Yeah. Uh, Arthur Smith appears in it. Yes. Playing a playing a keyboard in the toilet. Um, <laughs> it was supposed to be like a cameo, but it just looks really weird. In the, <laughs> we didn't kind of set it up. There was no sort of. He's not planted in the first scene to suddenly appear in the second scene. Just suddenly the door opens and there's Arthur Smith playing a keyboard on a toilet. <laughs> it's nice. Though, That's the it? kind of thing I'd imagine Arthur Smith doing. Right, I'll. Uh, I'm going to ask you an emergency question. Okay. I didn't get to do uh, any of these. What's the strangest thing you've ever found in the embers of a bonfire? I wish I'd asked that to Brian Blessed. Uh, what's the strangest thing you've ever found in the, in the embers of a bonfire? Have you ever found anything strange or unusual? It's well, the same thing. In the embers of a bonfire? Yeah, the embers of a bonfire. Like a bonfire, it's burnt. And yeah, yeah, I know what embers are, Richard. I'll just give you some time what... to think. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, uh, no, I can't, I can't imagine that. I, I've not been near a bonfire, I don't Or a fireplace. Think. Or a fireplace. Or, I don't, know. open fires don't really exist anymore, do they? They do come around to my house. Have you got, got open yeah. fires? Yeah. Uh, I can't think of anything that I've found in a fire. Well, that's... Uh, maybe the... a, maybe a end of a marshmallow that dropped in, like a rusty, okay. rusty, that's the wrong, crusty, crusty <laughs> end of a marshmallow. Yeah. Uh, no it just makes me think of that letter in Mary Poppins when they write the letter and then they rip it up and they send it up to her yeah. they put it in the fire and I always used to think how has she got that how did she get that at the end of that yeah. Mary Poppins because someone would have had to catch it all at the top wouldn't they how did it not all how did it all go up to her it's a good question also quite often what happens with things like that is they get caught in the chimney and then everyone dies of carbon monoxide poison <laughs> I know quite a lot about that I won't bore you about my, the, the latest aspects of my boiler. My goodness. Um, have you ever improvised a condom? This is a good question to ask someone who improvises. <laughs> uh, I haven't, but my friend Gemma, uh, she, once, uh, <laughs> she once went home with a guy, and he, uh, and he was like, yeah, come on, let's do it. And she said, have you got a condom? And he was like, no, no, it'll be fine. She went, no, it won't be fine. Go and get a condom. He's like, all right, all right. And he went, went out of the room. Uh, 
And then uh, and he came back and he turned the lights out. <laughs> and she sort of went, and then all she had was this crinkling. <laughs> and uh, she reached down and he'd got an empty packet of crisps. <laughs> and sellotaped it to his penis. <laughs> but she said the worst thing was they were salt and vinegar. So she was just like, surely that's just really painful. <laughs> Anyway, so they had sex. Depends which, uh, <laughs> which way roundly put the uh, salt and vinegar oh, bit, though. Is yeah. he put it on the outside or the inside? Is he a considerate lover? That's the question. Yeah. Well, I don't know which is the more considerate. I mean, it might be pretty good. Uh, I'm going to have to go home and try it both ways. <laughs> and see how it goes. But, so I've, I've got, I asked that question because there was someone saying, I think like a boost wrapper might be quite good. Yeah, that might be working. Yeah. Uh, but surely I mean, just a good, good wrap around with cling film will work, surely. Yeah. If you've got your balls in it as well for some kind of... To get it clinging underneath. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it might just be too restrictive. It might be too tight. In the old days, the ladies of the night used to put half an orange, uh, like a hollowed-out orange, didn't they? And I always used to think, A, that would sting. But your, your vagina would smell delicious, it wouldn't would. it? Like a tasty well, so you orange. you that wah-wah-wah Yeah, yeah, yeah. Manamana. Manamana. That would be horrific. You'd never eat an orange again, would you? Or maybe you would. <laughs> ah, the happy memories of the lady of the night. <laughs> now I want to think about more ways to do that. Um, mm, bubble gum? Could you do that with bubble gum? Chew enough gum? And to put it there as a barrier? Uh, no, no, I mean to, on the, on the around outside. the cock top. Around the, the cock top. <laughs> I'd studied biology at school. Uh, I feel like most, a lot of vegetables you could hollow out, eh? Cucumber you could hollow out. Yeah. But get a bit wider, we get maybe a bit too much girth. I think the problem with the cucumber is it would, you know, be, it would create a bar- barrier in the lovemaking that it wouldn't be like having sex with something, just like having your penis in a cucumber. <laughs> Or a cucumber in you. I mean, you could just get rid of the... Just, just, just get rid of the, the cucumber. <laughs> yeah, you're true. It's true. Yeah. You're true. You're true. What's yeah. that mean? I am true. Puff pastry? Puff pastry. It's quite durable, isn't it? I don't know. You never made a puff pastry tart? <laughs> right? Double entendre, probably, that. Somewhere. I think they might crumble a little bit. Are you talking well, no, about I'm talking pre- about raw, raw. Yeah, yeah. so you... Oh, what you could do is um, roll it out quite thin. Make a uh, cock shape yeah. with, your, with your cock obviously yeah. you'd have to you'd have to have, a, have a, a fluff and then you'd and then you'd put it on your cock and then you'd put it in the freezer so it freezes yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so that probably mm, depending on who with maybe you'd have to make love outside so that it didn't have too much heat on it yeah. so really good for camping sets <laughs> there you go puff okay. pastry I thought you were going to say you'd be able to cook it you could as, cook it oh, and then it would expand no, as you were doing as you were doing oh, that would be exciting wouldn't it would it be warm enough got... inside there could you create enough friction to actually cook some pastry and then eat it but like a new kind of sausage roll yeah. wouldn't it <laughs> that was that was a good emergency question at <laughs> this time um, what is the biggest animal whose life you have saved the biggest animal whose life I've saved yeah. um it's a brand new emergency question just for you. I don't know if I've ever saved an animal's Any life, kind of but I might animal? have. I've I found a dead body once. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah, it was just it was just on the side of the road, and it's quite weird when you see a dead body, isn't it? Because you don't really know. No, I don't no know. No one ever says, one. "What should you do with a dead body?" Uh, you call the police, obviously. 
But it was just quite weird to see a dead body because I, I, it was like it was just a body because, it, because there was no soul it left. You yeah. know, as they were just there like a body, and you just go, oh gosh. How had they passed on? They, they'd obviously fallen a big smack on their head, oh, no. and uh, it was very cold. A bit sad that story, isn't it? it is. uh, but they all lived happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> I've never. The only thing I've seen die is my cat. Oh really? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and that and that's. Uh, oh, and then at the same time, I saw a, a dead body that year as well. But I saw, it's amazing when you see like the, there's a moment when they're alive and there's a moment when they're dead. When mm. when, a, when an animal is, it's just very clear straight away but then I saw then I saw my first dead body of a human that year as well when I went on holiday to Indiana with my wife to meet her auntie and her husband and her husband died uh, so great holiday it was a fucking great holiday I saved my guinea pig's life when I was did a did you there you go that's a big animal I, uh, I see that as well well I came downstairs so we had a sliding glass door and I came downstairs and we used to have like one of those runs it had a, so we had a rabbit cage and a uh, in the uh, hutch and then in there lived the rabbit and the uh, guinea pig and uh, looked out of the window and uh, and I was just trying to it was a bit stiff the lock I was trying to open the door and I was like the rabbit's body looks quite long it's got quite long legs today it seems wrong <laughs> and I realised it was a fox had got in the run and as I realised which as I had the moment where I realised the fox turned to me and it had the body of my rabbit in its in its mouth and the head was gone completely. It was like a scene from a horror film. And I just started screaming, Get out of my rabbit! Get out! I was trying to open it. I couldn't open the door. And uh, my mum came downstairs going, What are you screaming about, Squeaky? What is going on down here? And I said, No, no, no! We couldn't open the door. It was both of us there. My mum loves those pastimes 90s, you know, so she looks like Charles Dickens. Uh, in the, so I was like, Go, go on! And so we opened the door and uh, managed to get rid of the, the fox. So it, and it, it, he, he got my rabbit, but he didn't get my guinea pig. Uh, but the guinea pig died three days later because it had got his jaws around it and crushed all of her insides. Wow. That's what that So, in a way, saving the guinea pig was the worst thing you could have done. <laughs> <laughs> you gave me three more days yeah. of extreme pain. <laughs> That's right. But I felt good for myself. My own honour was saved. I, tra- I tried. Little Tonic, he was called. Oh. He had a brother called Jin. Jin yeah. yeah. But Jin had died. Yeah. We, when we got Jin and Tonic, Jin died within one day. <laughs> In that great way. You know, people say that you should get a pet for kids so that they learn about death. Like, yeah. that's their first experience of death. And it was the most... We didn't even get to know the guinea pig. We just held it and it died. <laughs> it's like, I have horrible powers. <laughs> it's not good. Um, I'll give you one more new emergency question. I might have asked this one before. What film slash story would you like to see remade by the Muppets? Ooh... It hasn't been done already because the Christmas Carol is very good. I like Twelfth Night. I have to discuss this before. I think Twelfth Night would be very good with the Muppets in it. I'm not very good at knowing what Shakespeare plays, okay. ha- what happens in Twelfth Night. Well, it's just loads of crazy characters, but they all kind of fit the Muppets quite well. Oh, you I go, see. You'd, yeah, need, yeah. Uh, you'd need like a human, I think, as Malvolio, maybe, or it could be the Uncle Sam could be Malvolio. Have I got the right one? Yeah, I think. Yes, I it is now. But yeah, I yeah. remember it now. I, uh, uh, I think um, someone was saying Die Hard with the Muppets would be. Yeah, really that'd good, be quite good. That would be. I'd quite like to see Remains of the Day. With <laughs> the, the Muppets. So you have. Uh, so I suppose Miss Piggy would have to be Emma Thompson's character, yeah. uh, and uh, Kermit would be Mr. Stevens. Yes. Going, please leave me alone. Please, please, just leave me. Alone. Come on, show me the book, Mr. Stevens. Show me what you're reading in there. Uh, who would Monster play? Monster would have to play um, 
no, I don't know. No. There's only two real characters. In they that are show. good, but that's I. Right. I really, I think in Christmas Carol, and I've said this before, my favourite scene uh, and the best thing that Michael Caine has ever done is acting against Beaker. Oh yeah, but acting really seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like Beaker's going, <laughs> and, and Michael Caine is so in character, yeah, and so seriously Scrooge. And you know the other the scientist guys going, oh, come on, you're going to give us some money. And because she's going, and, and moving around, and Michael Caine doesn't, you know, he doesn't do anything for laughs, and it's way funnier. So I think I think the idea of doing a deadly sort of Schindler's List with the yes. Muppets, yes, but they play it very straight. <laughs> that could that could work. I, I like that, that idea. I think that would be very powerful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yes. Well, I think it would because you know, it's, it's better than with humans really isn't it imagine them all in their pyjamas looking sad you started that Richard it would be yeah. when he's shooting them off the balcony a few of them up it's obviously shot off the balcony. I think it would make you sympathise with the Nazis too much yeah, yeah. With some especially when they started singing <laughs> oh no we should have never done that feeling bad and hard I wish I hadn't blown that Jewish man apart. Oh, no, 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 we are nasty people. Oh, no, no, diddly, bum, bum, bum. Then everyone would then be sing along Schindler's yeah. List, wouldn't they? At the Prince Charles Cinema down the road. Come on, sing along with Schindler's List and the Muppets. We're going to make it happen. Who's going to be the one human being in it? Uh, Ray Fiennes could still be in it, that would be good. Um, and you've been this is a pretty big honour I think you've been in I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue oh that was amazing yeah, yeah that was a how great day how did that day. come about uh, that came about because I did a gig with you with, 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 I think you were there I was there, there and, and you, you were, were there, there and you were there uh, for the uh, slapstick thing in Bristol oh yes yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like a charity thingy thingy doodles for people that uh, for, uh, they celebrate slapstick films and they have a big fundraiser and they get lots of famous people along and then they ring me <laughs> and then they go hey hey we need more women uh, that's definitely <laughs> many more women Pips can you come down so uh, so it was me you Jack D Susan Coleman and Jason, Jason Manford, Manford I think yeah. turned up. Uh, so it was great a really cool lineup. and uh, Jack D uh, just really enjoyed my set and he said he said I think would you like to come and do well, now so I'm have offended a now I'm offended that I was, <laughs> <laughs> he saw my set I was on first <laughs> uh, and I was like yes but obviously inside I was like oh my god yeah, I don't yeah. know if I could do this uh, and they were so nice to me and to this day Barry Cryer still my pal and he calls, yeah. he calls me up every so often and says Pips it's not lovely to see you because uh, we were supposed to do a gig the other day but uh, he wasn't very well boo oh. so, uh, so he rang me up to say he was sorry to not see me I was like surely I should have called you up because you were very well <laughs> uh, he's very polite man he's very nice he rang me on my birthday oh he does, he's a very nice man he rings people just to be yeah. nice to them it's, yeah, yeah. It's so nice. he rings people for a chat he does he's like, What's well that? he's he's like out of all that general, and he's like probably in his eighties now. I think is he? I think, is yes, I'm like eighty three or four. Um, and uh, he of that generation. It's sort of interesting because I know you're interested in music hall and everything. Yeah. And so like Ken Dodd is like a big deal to you. Yeah. I guess the, you know that he's the last real. There's two or three other people. Really, the last real connection to that full on. Uh, musical thing and Barry Christ probably like even he's just a little bit younger but he's yeah. more the 60s satire thing but a lot of that generation when comedy changed got annoyed the comedy had changed and and refused to change with it yeah but Barry's always stayed very interested in um in 
comedy. You know, he's, he's, he's interested in comedy. Yeah. And he likes all kinds of comedy. He really likes uh, our generation and your generation and the generation below his comedy because he's interested in comedy. So he's well, not... he said that to uh, in Stuart uh, Goldsmith's podcast, right. dare I mention another one. Mm-hmm. But he said, uh, he interviewed, Stuart interviewed Barry and it split into two hour-long things because he he's got so fascinating. Yeah. And he says, um, Stuart says something along those lines. You know, you seem so interested in, uh, in comedy and you seem to be really up to date with what's going on. And he said... Of course I do. I, I like talking about the past. I don't want to live in it. I yeah. thought it was a really good line, actually. It's good. So he, is really, he really does enjoy other people's comedy yeah. rather than just sitting with his arms crossed going, well, it's not like in my day. Yeah. You know? Well, that's a, that's a really difficult thing to overcome. You know, and you course. see it. I see it in the 50-year-old comedians. I see, you know, you hang around with this. They've already got that. They're looking at the new kids coming up and, and getting angry about it. Mm. And you sort of think, but, you know, you were, that, you were there once, and you know, why, would you, why would you not... If you like comedy, you, you should enjoy other people having a, having a crack at it, you know? Yeah. It's sort of interesting. I'm doing this thing tomorrow where I'm talking about the, the young ones, which was such a big deal to me, like one of those talking head programmes. Such a big deal to me when I was 16. Um, but I haven't really watched it again since, you know? And then you kind of watch it, and it's still funny, but you kind of go... God, you can understand why this would annoy my parents and yeah. go, which I am now the I'm now their yeah. age. But you know, I still haven't got to the point where whoa, it's no good. It's really good still. But well, it's, it's like when people get upset about Friends. So Friends was my generation's whole. Like we yeah. used to go home on a Friday night for nine o'clock so we could watch Friends on Channel Four. And now there's all these articles coming out about how homophobic it is. And me and my husband just rewatched all of literally all of Friends, right. and it is massively homophobic. Like every time Matt or Chan and Matt Matt, Matt LeBlanc, Matt, my friend Matt, uh, every time Joey or and Chandler touch, they then go, "Whoa, we're just friends." Uh, so the whole thing is is incredibly homophobic, and it's only in season nine or ten that Phoebe starts calling them out on it, right. which feels like it's actually really uh, Lisa Kudrow calling going. Oh, Okay, all right, enough with your homophobic jokes, she says at least twice. Yeah. Uh, so, so even they started to notice it by then. Yeah. So, uh, but, but when people go, oh, no, I, friends, I couldn't watch that, it's terrible, I do feel a bit protective of it and go, yeah. but they did every storyline, they did literally every storyline <laughs> anyone's ever done. And the fact that they're called the one where, you know, the one where Joey kisses the wrong girl and someone goes, oh, I've got an idea for a sitcom, I'm gonna, it's going to be a guy, and, but he's going out with twins and he kisses the wrong you, you can just go through the whole of the friends' titles and go, it's already been done. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and that's quite frustrating, I think, for a lot of people as well. Because it also, the other thing is, in Music Hall Day, you would tour around with your set of jokes for like four years before you'd have to change your set at all, yeah. if you changed it at all. Because by the time you came back, people go, oh, it's the guy who does the wooden leg thing. And they go, we want to see the wooden leg thing. So if you turned up and went, oh, no, I've got a new act, they go, What's not, I don't want to see that, I want yeah. to see that. Whereas now, because everything's recorded... It's much harder. Uh, it's, you burn up your material so quickly, and people want to see new. Yeah, stuff. I think that's sort of true. But I also think now, I think it's gone beyond it almost because now, even if something's on TV, only a, you know five hundred thousand people see it. So yeah. you know, so you. I mean, it's still a lot of people, but but you know that, that still gives you most people won't see. There's so much options to see stuff now. So when you look at um, Morecambe and Wise or whatever in the seventies, we're getting thirty million yeah. viewers, uh, and and Zed Cars was getting thirty-five million uh, viewers, and uh, and and Brian Blessed uh, was the master of ceremonies at uh, the Hong Kong handover. <laughs> he told me backstage, <laughs> uh, and that got. And Andy told me backstage that I got three and a half billion viewers. Wow. Uh, so, <laughs> so back in 1997, when that happened, there was a lot of people watching. Television. But you know, so I think you can, you know, you can, 
But I suppose what I mean is more that it's all it's all available constantly yeah. now. So in the, yeah. in the old days, yeah, you, you if you wanted it. to see the Morecambe and Wise Christmas special, you had to wait till Christmas. Yeah, true. Whereas now you go, oh, I'm going to see Richard Herring do his stand-up show. I'll just look and see what's on YouTube. They can watch yeah. all of your material before they've even got to your comedy yeah, gig, yeah, and they go, oh, I've seen, I've seen that. You know. So you you are interested in the musical, and you've done shows. Like... I love old time musical. Yeah. I love Chaz and Dave. I love. I love. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> one, guy, one guy. One guy. Loves <laughs> you, one fan. <laughs> thank, thank you for coming. Uh, the, uh, no, I love. I love old time musical. I, there's something about the naughtiness of it. I love that. I love winking, and, and I think <laughs> winking is being lost. Uh, I love that people. That's what that music hall is. You know, when you listen to the lyrics, a lot of them are quite banal, and then it's all in the performance. So if you listen to the recordings, because when the recordings came in, the Mari Lloyd and all the sort of old school proper music hall, it was right at the end of their careers. So they sound rubbish. You can't believe that these people ever performed to thousands and thousands of people, that people mm. would, you know, throw down throw coins for them, throw flowers for them. Uh, but it was because they were such great communicators with the audience. And, uh, and that's what I love is I love doing shows where I'm talking to the audience why I love Showstopper is because every show feels like we made it together sure. even if there's six performers on stage doing the majority of the work we know that we're doing the show the audience wants whereas with stand-up obviously you get on stage and you say here's my hour of my stand-up you might not like it but you just I'm just going to do my hour of stand-up whereas we can mould ourselves to create the show that that room wants yeah, and yeah. I think that's really a special thing yeah yeah, and do you, when you say so when you play someone like the Leeds City Variety, which I'm, I assume you've have you played at Leeds, I've City never Variety? actually played it. I've been there to see this. Yeah, I've never it. played it. Okay, but there must be theatres yeah. you've been to that are the when musical ones. When I did ones. the Hackney Empire New yes. Act of the oh, yes, Year yeah. competition in 2008, uh, yeah. I really genuinely felt at home on that stage, yeah. and I loved it. And when I did, I did live at the Palladium last year uh, with Barry Manilow headlining. <laughs> uh, that was interesting. Uh, he's very thin. Uh, uh, his face is quite terrifying uh, <laughs> he looks like a shaved hamster who has had its skin stretched over it so, so I, I just I couldn't believe he was real his legs were like chopsticks right. uh, and he had to hold himself up walking down the stairs he was quite it was like an, I thought he was a robot of himself he could be he, uh, he's been going a long time he was, one, really of, long he was time. one of my first uh, crushes when I was like four or five years old. Really? There was an advert, of, but like a lot of my, and I had a lot of weird, weird crushes, but I think they were kind of quite, um, my brain's not going to work now, but you know, the sexually am, uh, ambiguous because like Barry Manilow could have been a man or a woman really when I was a, mm. when, I, when you're four or five and Brian Connolly from The Sweet who you might necessarily remember was a very pretty Sweet were a very transvestite kind of band really Oh I see No I know um, who Brian Connolly yeah. Connolly is Brian Connolly uh, So not was, Brian Connolly No Brian Connolly It's a puppet yeah. that guy. Brian, No Brian Connolly who is the half brother of Taggart Oh wow Not uh, just the character as well it's amazing <laughs> uh, So it's of, uh, and they both died, uh, but they both he's died, hasn't he? Taggart, yeah, because that's why he's not in it anymore. Uh, they both died of alcohol related, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, but when they were young, I imagine Taggart was similarly pretty when he was young, but it's hard to imagine. Uh, so yeah, Brian, Brian, so Barry Manilow was, I used to feel a bit funny in my tummy when he there was an advert, that, Nana Muscuri as well, oh, a right. very eclectic taste, very eclectic a, taste. Uh, but yeah, when I went on stage at the London Palladium, I yeah. felt re- again. I felt really at home and really loved it. I just love those old spaces where they again those shows were about entertaining the room yeah. rather than I don't know getting your 
getting your next five minutes on the thing or you know, yeah, yeah. to feed the tour. It was that was the show, no, and so, and those spaces are built so <clears> that everyone in the room feels a part of the show, yeah. uh, and that they're really just magical spaces to play. But you feel backstage, and I, again, I think we talked about this quite recently because I was I was did a gig in St Albans where there was a picture of Morecambe and Wise in the exact dressing room, you know, forty years ago or whatever, and there were fifty. They were exact mm. same age as me as well. Um, does, it, does it sort of strike you know, all those people that you are talking about that from hundreds of you know a hundred years ago will have been in that dressing room where you, and been on that stage where where yeah. you were? That's kind of the, and we we're talking about with, with Brian backstage as well. That kind of you've worked with someone who's been working for forty or fifty years, and then you're just one step away from working with <laughs> you know whoever it was in the in the nineteen sixties. Yeah, which is I think also again you know to loop it back to the the, the beginning of the conversation is why why it, it, people do get bitter is because you go well I'm in the same space as where Morecambe and Wise were, so why am I not as good as Morecambe and Wise? Well, or yeah. Why am I not the same? You know why have I not got the same thing? And because times well have I changed, worked out with Morecambe and Wise that I took more money on the door than they did at St Albans Arena. I went and found out how much the ticket price was. <laughs> I assumed they filled it. I made that assumption. I didn't fill it, but I made more money. <laughs> Except someone told me that they famously got paid in uh, cash. So, uh, oh, really? Yeah, well, I think everyone did. You know, in I, the I'm, I'm going I'm to make a controversial point. I think Ken Dodd got paid in cash and didn't declare it. Oh, yeah. I know he was never found guilty of that, but I think he did it. <laughs> so they would have walked away. And in their day, it would have been the equivalent of walking away with 15 grand wow. of, of our money. But, you know, and I'm not going to take that into account. I made more money because my tickets, their tickets were 25p. And, my, and they were £2, I think, their ticket. Wow. Uh, so yes, so you still do make those, but I, but for me, it's it's I, it, there's just a weird mindset. You either look at it one way or the other way, you know, and, and maybe you get, get mature and you see it the more sensible <laughs> way. But it's kind of magical to you know to have even been in the same space as Morecambe and Wise. I think that's what, you know when you see a picture of them and you go, Eric, I do, I didn't actually dare sit where Eric Morecambe had sat. Wow. Because I didn't want, I didn't feel I deserved it. I sat on the chair that Ernie Wise was sitting on. And said, <laughs> I felt, I felt I deserved that. <laughs> but you know, when you know, when you actually see it and literally see this is the space where they were, I think that's incredibly exciting. You know, it's not like, oh God, why am I not Eric Morecambe? Oh no, 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 no. And that's why but, it's so amazing. The connect, you know, like I love when you're backstage at the pantomime uh, yeah. and you see all the pantomime posters and you see who was this famous person in the yeah. pantomime. Because again, we always go, oh well, they in the West End they always put celebrities and shows they've always always put celebrities yeah. and shows to sell tickets like the amount of like you know Kenneth Williams uh, Kenneth Williams is in so many yeah. uh, play, plays that he shouldn't be in you know <laughs> he, he shouldn't be playing King Lear Kenneth Williams but he's there like for King Lear with Kenneth Williams <laughs> your daughter's disappoint me uh, well yeah all those guys and uh, Basil Brush and uh, whenever I see the Chuckle Brothers have been somewhere my heart uh, it beats faster you know or even well, the I... fact that you spoke to Trevor and Simon last yeah. week is like so exciting it was exciting uh, there was a picture I took a picture of it it was one theatre and I forget where it was where they had pictures backstage and they had a picture of me and then the Chuckle Brothers above it oh. so I took a picture of that <laughs> I was very excited about that but some of them are lovely some of them have those really old you know that, that it's all the 70s mm. sitcom stars in, in the plays you know whatever, whatever touring companies it must have been die for them uh, but uh, it's very exciting well good I think uh, how long have we done Ben what? Oh God, we could have stopped ages Fucking ago. Fucking hell, that's amazing. Um, great, off you go, off Thanks. you trot. Uh, it's been uh, a... <laughs>
Thanks for Contractual too. obligation fulfilled. No, that was uh, very interesting. And f- thank you very much for taking on the mantle Thanks. of following Brian Blessed. It's my, my job, as I say, to often follow <laughs> the biggest character in the room. But it was, you know, that is what is lovely about this show is it uh, can... It can have two very different feeling things in the same <laughs> evening. And at least I've got to say something in this one. You know, maybe, maybe Brian Blessed had the right idea. Uh, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, please give a massive round of applause. Pippa Evans! Yeah, Pippa Evans! Pippa Evans! The music is by Pest. Thank you very much to Go Fast Stripe and everyone at the Square Theatre and everyone at the British Comedy Guide. And they're all my friends and family and everyone who knows me. I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. This is a fuzz. Go Stripe.com and Sky Potato Production. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And um, would love to see you on the on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye.